You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from two different places. First, in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And that's on page 77 of your pew Bibles if you want to follow along with me. Then we'll be flipping over to the Gospel of Matthew on page 2 of, your, of the New Testament of your pew Bibles. But let's go ahead and read and hear God's word together this morning. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to a town in Galilee named Nazareth. He had a message for a girl promised in marriage to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. The girl's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Peace be with you. The Lord is with you and has greatly blessed you. Mary was deeply troubled by the angel's message, and she wondered what his words meant. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. God has been gracious to you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will make him a king as his ancestor David was. And he will be the king of the descendants of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, I am a virgin. How then can this be? The angel answered, The Lord's Holy Spirit will come upon you, and God's power will rest upon you. For this reason, the holy child will be called the Son of God. Remember that your relative is Elizabeth. It is said that she cannot have children, but she herself is now six months pregnant, even though she is very old. For there is nothing that the Lord cannot do. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Then from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they were married, she found out that she was going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was a man who always did what was right, and he did not want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he made plans to break the engagement privately. While he was thinking about this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for it is by the Holy Spirit that she is conceived. She will have a son and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this happened in order to make come true what the Lord had said through the prophet, a virgin will become pregnant and have a son and he will be called Emmanuel which means God is with us. So when Joseph woke up, he married Mary, as the angel of the Lord had told him to. And, he gave, and she gave birth to a son, and Joseph named him Jesus. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer, And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. In his book, Not a Silent Night, Pastor Adam Hamilton writes these words, We all have a picture of what that first Christmas must have been like for the Holy Family. Perfect. Starlit. Holy. The reality, however, is not unlike our own lives. This event would have been joy mixed with pain and sorrow, 
uncertainty and adversity. This was true throughout Mary's entire life. Mary's entire life was a mix of blessing with pain intermingled. And that's how life is for many of us. Life doesn't go according to our plan. Sometimes life is hard and painful and scary. Yet in the messiness of life, God is at work, bringing blessing out of pain. This is the story of Christmas. During this season of Advent, we are considering what it means that this is the story of Christmas. We're considering what it means that Jesus came in the form of a human body. That Jesus is, as the hymn says, the word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. That Jesus is the incarnate one. This means that Jesus experienced every aspect of our human lives. Jesus experienced the good and the wonderful and the easy. But that also means that Jesus experienced the hard and the painful and the scary. That's why I find it so interesting that we dedicate an entire week of the season of Advent to this idea that Jesus' birth brings peace, that Jesus invites our minds to practice peace. I mean, how can that possibly be? As Adam Hamilton's book suggests, this was not a silent night, and this is not always a peaceful story. Our scriptures this morning that we read from the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew reveal the utter chaos of the Christmas story. Because two angels appear to two different young people and completely alter the trajectory of their lives. In Luke's Gospel, an angel appears to Mary and gives to her this wonderful and terrifying news. She is pregnant. She's going to have a baby. And despite the station of life she finds herself in and the fact that this is going to be literally impossible, the angel tells her the news anyway. And like, let's just be honest, that news by itself would have been enough for one person to digest. But that's not the only news that she finds out. This baby that she is carrying is not going to be any mere infant. No, this is the Messiah for whom the people have been waiting, for whom the world has been waiting. The angel tells Mary that he will be great and he'll be called the son of the Most High God. God's going to turn him into a king like his descendant David and his kingdom will have no end. As Mary gets told this news that her life is about to change, she is simultaneously told that this child is going to change the world. And she only asks one question in response. And it's not a question of her worthiness. She does not look at the angel and say, how can this be? Why, why have I found this favor? 
She does not ask a question about the lowliness of her station in life. I mean, after all, she is a young, unwed woman from Nazareth, and what good can come from Nazareth? Rather than the million other questions she could have asked, she asks one question about the logistics. How can this be? How can this be? Explain, if you will. The science behind this does not check out. I mean, can this possibly be right? Mary has this dump load of information dropped on her, and she has one question. I would have a follow-up, wouldn't you? I would have several follow-ups, wouldn't you? Is Luke condensing her conversation? Or does the angel's reply of nothing is impossible with God answer all the other questions she has before she even asks them? Joseph, on the other hand, gets two pieces of information, two pieces of life-changing news. First, he finds out that his beloved betrothed Mary has come to him with this wonderful and terrifying news. Despite all the reasons why she shouldn't be, she's pregnant. And after he comes to terms with this news, and after he is resolved in what his next steps look like, his life changes all over again. Joseph is a good person. Joseph does what's right. And Joseph is a good person, and with that being true, he does not want to bring shame upon himself or shame upon Mary, and so he decides to break this engagement quietly, privately. He has made peace with this first plan with all of us, when all of a sudden an angel comes to tell him something entirely new. Just when Joseph made this life, made peace with his life changing, his life changed all over again. An angel arrived on the scene and affirmed Mary's story. And, he, and the angel tells him that what's about to happen isn't going to bring shame upon himself or shame upon Mary. What's going to happen is going to bring salvation to the world. The angel spoke words of peace. Do not be afraid. And Joseph's life is about to change in an entirely different way. He is not going to walk through life alone and lovelorn and skeptical. But rather his life is about to change because he is going to be a father. He's going to present his son in the temple on the eighth day of his life in accordance with the law, and he's going to name his son Jesus because he will save the sins of his people. Matthew tells us that Joseph wakes up from this dream and sets out to follow the instructions of the angel. Luke tells us that Mary ends her encounter with the angel by presenting herself as a part of God's crazy plan. 
Does that mean that these two people with such short order came to complete and perfect peace with the revised course of the rest of their lives? With what happens next, which is the gospel, the words of the angel seem to be all that they need. And that, asks, that makes me ask the question, how can this be? How can these two people get this life-changing news and just out of nowhere be okay with it? How can they experience so much change and prepare to experience so much pain and so much sorrow and so much uncertainty in such a small time and face it with so much grace and so much resolve? And so much, dare I say it, so much peace. The answer to that is wrapped up in the fact that neither Mary or Joseph are doing this alone. All of this happened because Mary found favor with God and God made a promise to be with her throughout the entire parenthood of the only begotten Son of God. Joseph found the resolve to stand beside his fiancée because of the angel's words. God was with them. They were not alone. And because Jesus was born, they would never be alone again because Jesus has made an enduring promise to be with us always. The reality of our own lives is that there will be times when we go through things that are like that of Mary and Joseph. We will go through things that are completely amazing and filled with joy. But there will also be chaos and times when peace feels like the last possible option. But in Jesus, we learn about what God's peace looks like. In Jesus, we learn that God's peace is for us. And God's peace is unlike anything that we will ever see or ever have seen again. The good news of the birth of Jesus Christ is that in all circumstances, we can draw the same peace that Mary and Joseph drew. Because God's peace is unlike anything else. God's peace made known in Jesus is not dependent upon our circumstances, but is based on our faith that God is working. That God is working. That God is working. God's peace is there when things are perfect and starlit and holy. And God's peace is there when things are in chaos. And so, friends in Christ, people of God, practice peace. Practice peace. Would you pray with me? Living Jesus, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this Advent season of preparing our hearts for your birth once again. And we give you thanks for peace. Jesus, we just know that in our lives there is 
the opposite of peace in a lot of ways, in a lot of circumstances. And so we just cling to you today, knowing that you are, as you have said, the Prince of Peace, knowing that you are our peace, and knowing that you don't give peace in a way that the world gives, a peace that is fleeting or conditional. You give us everlasting peace. So let us live in your peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.